Welcome to the 180 Podcast. You are listening to a teaching of the 180, a new church committed to learning to love Jesus and love like Jesus. Our prayer is that God would use this teaching to help you grow closer to Him and that you would feel moved to join us in person, where you can grow in community with the larger 180 family. Bienvenue à la balado-diffusion de l'Église 180. Vous écoutez un enseignement de l'Église 180, une nouvelle Église qui s'est engagée à apprendre à aimer Jésus et à aimer comme Jésus. Notre prière est que Dieu utilisera cet enseignement afin de vous aider à vous rapprocher de Lui et que cela vous donne envie de vous joindre à nous en personne où vous pourrez vous épanouir au sein de la communauté qu'est la grande famille de l'Église 180. So this morning, we're continuing uh, our series that we've been going through for a little while now on the church that we've called uh, How Church Became Optional. And we've been, as we've been working through this series, we've been learning to just enter the story of Jesus and the story of his earliest disciples, the early church, and doing our best to learn to make sense of what it means now to be part of this new family with Jesus at the center. And uh, one of the themes that we've touched on a little bit so far that maybe you've picked up on that Pastor Dom talks about in his ebook as well is the idea that to be part of this new family is uh, called the church means to embrace a specific kind of belonging that looks, it's a kind of belonging that looks different from the rest of the world. And uh, to get at this important idea in the Bible, the writers of the New Testament uh, will give us many different images for what it means to belong to this new thing called the church. And they, they use different images to describe what the church is all about. And there's a couple of them we've uh, used already so far in this series. Maybe you remember some of them. We've talked about the church as a body. Uh, we've talked about the church as a new family. But it also describes the different other images. Describes the church as a marriage or as a vine or as a vineyard or even as a temple and a few others that aren't on, on this list that you'll see. And the reason why the writers use all of these different sort of images uh, to get at what it means to belong to the church uh, is that they're, what they're, part of what they're, they're getting at is that to be the, the church is the complex. There's part of it is actually a mystery. And not only that, but the writers recognized that belonging to a church was also just really messy. Like it wasn't this clean, really straightforward process. And it was never a simple and kind of clean idea. And so all these different, these different images are trying to, to get at together this idea that belonging could never be separated from the idea of becoming. Again, all these different images are getting at this core idea in different ways that are so important to the church and to Christians that the idea of belonging to the church could never be separated from the idea of becoming. That it must always be tied together as we learn to follow Jesus and to learn what it means that he is at the center. And, you know, this idea gets confused in the church All the time, I remember for myself growing up in the church, I was confused about this idea of belonging in many different ways. Uh, some of you may know this, but I grew up in Montreal going to a small Anglican church. And for me, early on, uh, church really became about uh, this idea of belonging almost to a social club. Like I knew it was this place where I went, my family went, we saw other family and friends there, and we sang these weird songs, and sometimes we played these whatever, these goofy games in, in Sunday school, and sometimes we went to a potluck, and that's all it was for me. It was like a social club. And then as I got older, because I had always been part of the church, I began to see belonging as this place where, or the church, and the meaning of belonging in the church, this place where I was sort of 
uh, that kind of, like, I belonged, but other people that I thought of, maybe friends at school, whatever, they didn't really belong, and they could never really belong. Like, I began to see myself as sort of an insider, and others as more of outsiders. And I remember that, especially as a late teen and, and young adult, that when people came to the church that I didn't really think fit the mold for what it meant to be a Christian, like, I saw them as an outsider. I saw them almost as, like, these sinners who, didn't, who just shouldn't be there. And yet at the same time, because I saw myself as an insider of the church, again, well into my young adult years, I wrestled and I took, I took, took a long time. I was confused about this idea that, uh, that belonging meant that I was also being called to become something new, that I thought I could just belong without ever having to change and without ever having to think about what it meant that Jesus was calling me to become a certain kind of person that looked more like him. Maybe as you think of your own experience with church, whatever that was, you can remember times for yourself as well, where you maybe were confused about what it means to belong to the church. Maybe times where you thought this church could be a place where you, you could belong, but that others couldn't. Or that you could belong in a way that you could, you could just ignore this call to ever become somebody new. Or maybe where you've treated somebody else that you thought of as an outsider, when you saw them as somebody who could never really belong in the same way that you could. Or maybe for yourself, as you think about your experience with church, you've just always felt like you were an outsider as you're listening or uh, as you're here this morning. That, that the church for you is a place that you just thought you could never really fit with. That you could never really belong. And, you know, it's easy, again, for us to confuse what it means to belong in the church. And one of the reasons why we mix up this idea uh, of belonging so easily is because we confuse it with our own experience of, of belonging in different contexts outside of the church. So there's so many different places, right, in our lives where we experience belonging and different kinds of belonging, whether that's belonging to a book club or a sports team or a group on Facebook or even to, like belonging to be a member, to have a membership at a certain kind of store. And often what draws us to those different contexts of belonging is that they're places where they share the same interests or hobbies or lifestyles or even beliefs as us. And, uh, you know, this on its own isn't a bad thing, but the problem is when we begin to look for the same things as ways to belong to the church. Like we begin to define belonging in the church as a place where we should be able to find people who are like-minded. I don't know if you've ever heard that term. Like, like-minded Christians or people who are like-minded. And, and often what we mean by that is actually it's people uh, that we hope will have the same uh, interests as us or the same priorities or the same even political beliefs or people who belong as the same social classes as us think and do things that the way that we do. And so we begin to look for people who we can easily relate to in the church or that we can be comfortable with or that we can fit in with. And when this happens, this is one of the ways that the church becomes optional. The church becomes optional when we confuse belonging to become with belonging to stay the same. Because when we confuse the church as a place where we'll find people who, are, who, who we want to be just like us, we'll never see the need to grow into somebody new. And when we do this, when we reduce the idea of belonging to just what happens is we reduce the idea of belonging to just a feeling instead of a deeper commitment to grow. We reduce it to how we feel about whether or not we've made a special connection with somebody or whether or not somebody seems to really get us. 
And what also begins to happen as kind of an outworking of this confusion is that once we're, we're part of a church, we begin to see people, certain people as insiders and certain people as outsiders. And we begin to even isolate ourselves from other people that are different than us. And then not only that, but, but be, if we have this framework, we, we're kind of setting ourselves up for disappointment as well because we quickly realize that we're never going to find people who are just like us and that actually we can find people who are more like us in other contexts outside of the church. And so for us, church then becomes optional. And as the earliest Christians are sort of wrestling out this unique call of what this means to be part of this messiness of belonging as a new kind of people, one of the ways that they would commit to this idea and of learning about what it means to belong to become is that they would look back to some of Jesus' most famous words. And some of you know these words, but in Matthew's gospel, he records how Jesus preaches what's really considered the most famous sermon ever, known as the Sermon of the Mount. And right at the beginning, it kind of kicks off his ministry in a sense, and right at the beginning of his, this, this sermon, Jesus casts this really incredible vision of what it looks like to be a new kind of people in God's family. It's really a vision of becoming, his whole sermon. And to kick off this sermon, he starts off by sharing a series of blessings. Now in total, as he shares, uh, Matthew records, the gospel writer, that there are nine blessings that Jesus shares about, and you can go read about them more in your own time, but I just want to highlight a few of them for you. See what you notice about these. It says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Or blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Or blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of God. See, these blessings that Jesus takes is he takes the idea of blessing and he flips it completely on its head from what we would consider blessings. They're so counterintuitive to anything we would think about what it means or looks like to be blessed. And the reason why he does this is Jesus is actually giving us a vision for what it's like to become a certain kind of people. Like, it's important to understand that these are not just a set of, they're not really a set of rules or principles of what it means to become a certain kind of person. That as we think about what it means to grow and mature, that's kind of what we would like, right? If we're honest with ourselves, we'd like just a step-by-step process of like, here's what it looks like to become a better person. We'd prefer just having a list of things to check off our lists. But that's not really what Jesus is doing here. Instead, he's giving us, again, a vision for what it looks like to be part of his church. To live in God's family in a way that he, we, become, look to, we, we commit to becoming look, more like him. And as you look at this list, I want to just point out something. We won't spend too much time, you know, I could do a whole sermon on these blessings, uh, but I want us to just no- notice something really important as you think about this vision of, uh, of belonging to become. That what, um, something that Jesus is highlighting about what it means to belong in the church. That Jesus is giving a vision, as you look at the list, not only of the kinds of people who will experience God's blessing, but also for the kinds of people God will use to bless others. It's a vision of becoming people who are shaped by generosity in the way that they begin to give to the poor. Or they, be, they begin to associate themselves or recognize and come alongside people who are mourning, to mourn with those who mourn. To show forgiveness and to show peace and joy and love to others who never saw themselves as part of God's family. And it's a vision of how we, as we commit to growing as followers of Jesus, we experience how God's blessing 
is for the most unlikely of people. Now, just like for us, this vision of becoming, this new kind of people, is not as easy, even for Jesus' earliest followers, as we might think. This new vision of becoming a new kind of people is not something that they just grew into overnight. And as we continue to, together to try to make sense of the story of these earliest disciples in the New Testament, we can be thankful that they give us a story from the New Testament that shows how difficult and how messy it would have been for the early church to understand and to live into this vision of belonging to become. And so as, we're gonna, as we continue just in this story we've been looking at in the story of, of Acts, and the early church, we're going to look at the story where Peter, if you remember we talked about Peter earlier in this series, uh, who's, Peter's really kind of one of the key pillars of the church, one of the key leaders in the church, that he's going to now to struggle to make sense of this messy idea of what it means to belong in the church. In particular, Jesus, Peter is going to struggle to understand how God was calling him to become in a way that made room for others to see that they were invited to belong. And so in this story, Peter is going to encounter a man named Cornelius. Everybody say Cornelius. Cornelius, awesome. So a man named Cornelius is really, really important to this story. And what makes Cornelius so important for us is that he represents somebody that Peter would have seen as an outsider. Cornelius is someone Peter never would have thought should belong to the, to the Jewish faith because he was a Gentile, which just means that he wasn't a Jew. And on top of that, it's important to forget that, that Cornelius himself would have seen himself as an outsider as well. That because he wasn't a Jew, he never would have thought he could belong to God's family, at least not in the same way that the Jewish people could. And so here's what the story uh, in Acts says about Cornelius. It says, in Caesarea, there lived a, a Roman army officer named Cornelius who was a captain of the Italian regiment. He was a devout, God-fearing man, as was everyone in his household. He gave generously to the poor and prayed regularly to God. And so, uh, as we learn about Cornelius here, even though Cornelius didn't belong to the Jewish people, he would have seen himself, and he would have seen himself as an outsider, he was the kind of person who still cared about what it meant to, to learning to do good to others and to commit to learning about God. And for us today, Cornelius sort of symbolizes somebody who sees themselves as an outsider to the church, but who still, somebody who sees themselves as an outsider could never imagine themselves as part of the church, but who cares about learning what it means to love and to do good to others and is practicing that in different ways and who cares about searching for truth and meaning in life. Maybe you know somebody like that as you think of Cornelius, somebody uh, maybe you would even describe yourself in that way. Somebody who you wouldn't belong or would never see themselves belonging to a church, but is still hungry for the church and is still search for the truth and is still searching. And so one day as Cornelius is sort of minding his own business, he's kind of just going through the motions of life, this profound moment happens where God meets him right where he's at. And God speaks to him through an angel. And he tells Cornelius to send for a man named Peter, who, who Peter is a man that, that Cornelius hasn't met yet, but God tells him to send for him and to invite him over to his house. And so Cornelius sends these messengers over, finds out where Peter lives, sends these, message, these messengers to invite Peter over. And while these messengers are on the way to Peter's house the next day, we're told that at the same time, 
God speaks to Peter. That while Peter is praying on the rooftop of his house, he has this crazy, strange vision. Here's what happens. It says, The next day, as Cornelius' messengers were nearing the town, Peter went up on the flat roof to pray. It was about noon, and he was hungry. Okay, many of us can relate to that. Uh, but while a meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw the sky open, and something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners. In the sheet were all sorts of animals, reptiles, and birds. Then a voice said to him, get up, Peter, kill and eat them. No, Peter declared, I have never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure and unclean. But the voice spoke again, do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. What a crazy vision. And the story tells us that this happens to Peter three times in a row. Now, I don't know about you, when I think of like this big sheet, I imagine like this bed sheet coming down from the sky and these different animals that probably look good to eat. And I don't know that if I had this vision and I saw this, if I would like want to go to sleep or if I would want to eat something right away or if I would just want to run. Like, I don't know. Don't know what Peter's thinking as this, this is happening to him. But he's, you know, the, the story tells us that he's confused. Uh, and, and one of the things that he's picking up through this vision is that he senses God's asking him to do something that he's never done before which is to associate with the Gentiles in a different way. He would have immediately thought of the, the Gentiles. And to make kind of a complex idea sort of as simple as possible for us and what Peter would have been kind of thinking or wrestling through at this time is that Peter would have been taught to believe that as a Jew, eating certain kinds of animals would make him impure or unclean and that if he even associated too closely with the Gentiles, with people who regularly ate these different animals that that would also make him unclean. And so not only is Peter's having this vision, could he not imagine even associating with a Gentile, but furthermore, he would have also thought that the only way that a Gentile could associate with him, to, to be clean and to associate with him and his fellow Jews, is to become exactly like the Jews. If they adopted their customs, and if they ate what they ate, and if they did everything they could to act and to look like them, Peter thought that in order for those on the outside to belong, they needed to commit to becoming like those on the inside. This is still such a common way that we confuse belonging in the church today. That instead of everyone together committing to grow, to be new kinds of people, to maturing and to becoming more like Jesus together, that instead the leaders or the, all the insiders act as if anyone else who wants to belong has to become exactly like them. That they have to talk the same or dress the same or for all, follow whatever vision they have of what they should become or what becoming looks like. And at its very worst, this is actually one of the defining features of what uh, makes up a cult, if you think about it. Uh, an investigative reporter that I was uh, reading about named Lawrence Wright, he's written some different books on, on various cults in the U.S., and he talks in a podcast about how one of the characteristics or one of the common things that he sees between different, things that, different cults, basically, is that they have something that they all share in common that he's noticed, that there are some people on the outside who are willing to do just about anything, the most outrageous and unhealthy things, in order to become like the people on the inside and to be accepted by them, in order to belong. Then that whoever isn't willing to do that is, is, stays on the outside. 
and that those on the inside then become more and more isolated from the rest of the world. Even in the church, it's easy for us to confuse the vision of becoming like Jesus with the temptation to want others to become like us. Maybe as you think of your own experience of belonging, maybe you've experienced something like that, where maybe you felt pressured to become just like the people who were on the inside. Or maybe where you didn't even want to belong to a church because you thought it meant that you had to be like somebody who you thought was just weird and crazy, right? Whatever that looked like, somebody in the back row who's, I don't know, hitting a triangle or running in circles or playing a tambourine, whatever that is, right? Not to, you know, if you do that, not to judge you, it's okay. But whatever, whatever you saw that was just too weird for you to be part of that, right? Or maybe for yourself, you've been tempted to even paint other people as, as people who really didn't fit with your own ideas of what it meant to belong. And so you've confused belonging like Jesus with be, become, or becoming like Jesus with becoming like you. But to be a Christian is to grow in our understanding that in order for others to experience belonging, we also need to keep committing to becoming someone new, to becoming a new kind of people. That in order for them to, to be able to find their place and realize that they're, they're being invited to belong in a new way, that that will actually flow out of our commitment to become. And in the midst of Peter's own confusion, God, by his Holy Spirit, is going to teach Peter in a way next that nobody sees coming. He's actually going to use Cornelius and what's happening with Cornelius and the way he's speaking to him to teach Peter about what it means to belong. Here's what happens next said after Peter has this vision that he was very perplexed. He was confused. What could this vision mean? But just then, the men sent by Cornelius found uh, Simon, who was otherwise known as Peter, found Peter's house. And standing outside the gate, they asked if a man named Simon Peter was staying there. Meanwhile, as Peter was puzzling over the vision, the Holy Spirit said to him, three men have come looking for you. Get up, go downstairs, and go with them without hesitation. Don't worry, for I have sent them. So Peter went down and said, I'm the man you're looking for. Why have you come? And so as Peter is still puzzling over what it is that God has told him to do in this, vi- this vision, these messengers then arrive that, that Cornelius has sent They arrive to the house where Peter is, and the Holy Spirit, God explains to Peter that he must now go with them in order to teach them something new, and that not only that, that he must go with them to learn about how God has been speaking to Cornelius already. And so as Peter wakes his way to Cornelius' house, which again is something that he would never imagine himself doing, entering Cornelius' house, he begins to realize something, that God is asking him to make room in a special way for Cornelius and his household. To go to his house, to spend time with him, to listen to his questions, to hear even his story of how he senses God is something doing, doing something new in Cornelius' life. And so Peter does exactly that. He enters Cornelius' house, he spends time with him, he listens to his story, and he makes room for him to share about how God has been speaking to Cornelius. And as he does this, Cornelius also invites Peter to share about Jesus. Isn't that so beautiful? 
that Jesus, Peter is going to discover that part of how God is calling him, calling and calling the church to grow and to mature, is to learn to make room for people like Cornelius to discover how God is inviting them to belong in a new way. This is such an important value for the church today. That to be part of God's family is to learn to make room for others in a unique way, to find their place, to discover how they're being invited to belong, to give room for their questions and for their doubts, to learn to pay attention to what God is already doing in their lives, to give room to meet with them and to spend time with them and to even learn from them as, they, as, he listens to the, as we listen to their stories. And, you know, it's actually one of the values as uh, I was in Ontario and thinking about coming back to Montreal that really drew Jasmine and I and our family to be part of the 180. That uh, we knew that this was a church who really valued learning to make room for those who saw themselves as outsiders, for those people who, who never thought that they could belong to a church, to learn to make room, to listen to their questions, to hear their doubts, to come alongside them, to, to even enter their homes and to listen to how God is, is, is already meeting them where they're at. And, you know, as we uh, have come to the 180, we're really seeing that happen in so many different ways. We're seeing that value lived out, and we're seeing so many of you even begin to, to realize how to live out this value. And as we think of, you know, we have three girls at home, and as we think of them growing up, and as we think of the next generation learning the, import, the importance for them to have a space, to have room, to learn what it means to be invited to belong to God's family, uh, we think of just how important that is and how special it is to be part of this church. As Peter and the other members of the church now who are with them learn to give room for Cornelius and his family to share of how they sense God is speaking to them, Peter is invited then to share about Jesus and who Jesus is, is about his life and his death and how he's moved from death to life. And uh, as he's doing this, something amazing begins to happen. Here's what it says happens next. It says, Even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too. As Peter and the other disciples again are learning to make room for Cornelius, as they stay at his house, they all together begin to experience God's blessing in a new way that none of them expected. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. And something that they thought could only happen to the Jewish people begins to happen to them. These people who felt like outsiders and who everyone else would have seen as outsiders realized that they too were being invited to belong in a way that they were also becoming a new kind of people. And so because of what happens to Cornelius, Peter again learns this really important lesson that's so important for us today. That to be a Christian is to commit to becoming the kind of person that God uses to help others see how they're being invited to belong. And so as Peter Cornelius and his household begin to realize and experience how God is blessing them and inviting them to belong to something new, they decide to take this next step to be baptized. That even though they still at that point would have questions, even though they didn't, they didn't fully understand what God was doing or how he was speaking to them, that they were still trying to even sort out just the messiness of what it now meant to belong, 
that they sensed they had experienced enough of what God was doing that now it was time to take the next step to be baptized. In a moment here, we're going to witness uh, Nick's baptism and hear a bit of his story about how he also began to make sense of how God was inviting him to belong and to become in a new way that he never expected. As someone who always, all, who he shares is also, uh, always saw himself as an outsider, but who has now decided after this journey to take the next step to be baptized. As you witness his baptism, it's an opportunity for all of us, whether you've been, if you've been baptized before, to be reminded of your own baptism. To be reminded maybe of somebody who came alongside you and who gave you room for you to realize how God was inviting you to belong in a new way, to be part of his family. To be someone who is still being transformed as a follower of Jesus, to be more like him, and to pay attention to how God is forming us into a new kind of people, to experience his blessing as we learn to make room for others. Maybe you're here and you're watching this morning and all of this is just kind of new to you. Maybe you're someone who, again, doesn't feel like you could ever really belong, that you've seen yourself as an outsider. And maybe just today, this week, God is inviting you to pay attention as you listen to to Nick's story, to be open to what God is doing in your life, that maybe he is wanting to meet you exactly where you are, and that he might be showing you how he wants to meet you where you're at in the midst of your own questions and your own doubts, and just to learn what it means to just trust him to take the next step forward, whatever that looks like. And so as we witness Nick's baptism today, we're all invited to pay attention to how baptism has always been such a sacred practice in the church, where we're learning what it means to belong in order to become someone new. To belong together to a new kind of family that's learning to see how God is spreading his blessing to all kinds of people and inviting them to something new as well. So in a minute, we're going to, uh, as we move to, to witness Nick's baptism, we're going to uh, play a video for, for you of uh, an interview that, uh, that Dom did with Nick. Uh, and bef- but before we do that, let me pray for us. Let's pray together. Jesus, as we uh, learn and as we gather together and just learn what it means to be part of uh, the mystery of your church, as we think about our own experience maybe of just the messiness of that, of confusing what it means to belong, to become, we thank you for people like Cornelius and for people like Peter who modeled for us uh, what it looks like to, to make room for people like Cornelius, who maybe see them, people who see themselves uh, as an outsider to the church. Help us as we commit to this special kind of belonging, as we commit to becoming more like you, Jesus, to be, to, that you would help us to be the kinds of people who, who learn to make room for others to belong. Would you be with us now as uh, we listen to Nick's story, as we witness this sacred moment together. Would you even, as we do that, stir in us, remind us of the things, the way that you are speaking to us and the ways that you are inviting us to continue to become new kinds of people, to continue on that journey of becoming. 
And so would you be with us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.